Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Keezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me for the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. Well, after a 99-day lockout that delayed the start of spring training, the Major League Baseball season opens on Thursday. The New York Mets will be at the Washington Nationals, weather permitting. I spoke with Newsday Mets beat writer Tim Healy on Monday, and that interview is coming up in just a moment. The New York Yankees were scheduled to host the Boston Red Sox on Thursday, but on Wednesday, two days after I taped my interview with Christy Ackert of the New York Daily News to preview the Yankees season, the team announced that their game Thursday against the Red Sox was postponed because of impending bad weather. The opener will now be played on Friday. The New York Mets had a busy offseason. They have a new manager and a new starting pitcher and a new general manager. But there is concern for the ace of their pitching staff. To help me preview the Mets is our friend from Newsday, Tim Healy. Tim, uh, welcome back to the uh, podcast. And before we begin talking Mets baseball, you're a Boston University graduate. Have you submitted your resume to become the next Boston University <laughs> hockey coach? <laughs> I don't know that I'm qualified, really, aside from having learned uh, quite a bit about hockey from Jack Parker when I was there. But uh, suffice to say, it, I think a lot of people thought change was needed there. So it's too bad for Albie, but uh, I'm sure they'll find somebody good next. Okay. So, well, let's talk Mets baseball. Obviously, you know, Buck Schalter's there. Uh, they signed Matt Scherzer, but... The news broke last week uh, about J- Jacob DeGrom again hurt, this time the shoulder. And it doesn't sound promising. I mean, they're talking many weeks at this point. I mean, how how critical of a situation is this with DeGrom? Because he missed the, the bulk of the uh, last year with the, with the elbow. It, it is a critical situation because this, the case right now is DeGrom is shut down for four weeks. And then they're going to take another MRI. So speaking realistically, if he gets cleared then and then has to build up, you're still looking at, you know, Memorial Day, for example, as a best-case scenario. So Jacob DeGrom is going to miss probably at least the first third of the season, if not more. But even then, that is just this injury. And he's had 11 different injuries in the past 21 months. So for the Mets, I don't know how much you can really rely on him being able to provide much of anything for you this season because you just don't know what's going to happen to his body. Uh, it has not held up well. As good as he is when he is a- able to pitch, he just too often is not able to pitch. So really, Jacob DeGrom is a, is a big question for them in a rotation that, to, to be honest, has quite a few quite a few question marks. Yeah, I mean, at 33 years old, I mean, I guess in this day and age of baseball, you're still relatively young, but the fact he has thrown over 100 miles an hour consistently in his career, is, is that catching up with him, you think? It could be. It could be. The velocity was a big question last year. He averaged 99.2 miles per hour, which is just absurd. You know, the, the hardest-throwing starter in baseball, maybe the hardest-throwing starter in baseball history based on what we know and have been able to measure, uh, you know, as far as fastballs go through the decades. Um, so when he came into camp this year, DeGrom had indicated that he wasn't going to throw max effort every time. His velocity was a little lower than it is normally, even during spring training. So uh, that experiment had really got very far before he got hurt again. So 
we'll have to see what happens and where he's at with his velocity when he when he is able to get back on the mound. Yeah, and of course, uh, the big free agent signing of Max Scherzer right before for the lockout. He's 37 years old, and he was expected to pitch opening day, as we talk here on the Monday uh, prior to opening day. He has a hamstring issue, so all of a sudden now, I mean, what what's going on with him? He does have a hamstring issue. This doesn't seem nearly as serious. Uh, to be honest, Max Scherzer seemed pretty upfront about it when he spoke to reporters the other day, saying he called it a hiccup, and apparently he has these hiccups with both of his hamstrings every so often. I know he had a hamstring issue with the Dodgers last year, but the Nationals the year before that. So these sort of uh, this hamstring tightness or hamstring soreness is not new for Scherzer. It's just something that he has to deal with pretty often, it sounds like. Um, so the question with Scherzer right now is whether he starts opening day or the next day or at some time shortly thereafter. So that doesn't seem like nearly as serious a situation as the ground. What does he bring to the team? I mean, he's obviously been a winner. He's won a World Series with Washington. Uh, I mean, what, what does he bring? Is that a, a bulldog mentality? Yeah, it's a bulldog mentality. It's a degree of competitiveness that, other Mets don't necessarily have. And it's also an amount of automatic respect that you get from being on the short list for best picture of your generation, which Scherzer is probably right there alongside Verlander and Kershaw. So he's got the World Series ring. He's got three Cy Youngs. He's got, uh, you know, 2,000 however many innings on on his arm. Um, he, he, he is, he is he's, you know, he's Max Scherzer. He's a future Hall of Famer. So there's uh, a certain reverence that happens when a guy like that walks into the clubhouse, walks into the locker room, and uh, that's something that the Mets haven't really had in the years. As good as the Grom has been, he's not at Scherzer's level resume-wise. Mm-hmm. Of course, we mentioned Buck Showalter, the new manager. How has spring training been with him running things down there in uh, Port St. Lucie? It's been pretty good. It was quicker than normal, of course, because the lockout really compressed everything. And uh, one thing that stuck out to me about Joe Walter and the way he runs spring training is that he seems to do a lot more teaching and instructing and coaching than managers normally do. When the Mets have uh, you know a quick little team meeting when they're going over whatever defensive drill they're going to do, it's been Joe Walter standing in the middle of everybody on the field, kind of commanding the respect and the attention of the group, which is a little different than we'd seen in years past from Mets managers who were in their first time doing that job and didn't really have the same gravitas as Showalter, who has been managing in the major leagues longer than some of these guys have been alive. Yeah, I mean, obviously Buck's been around, as you mentioned, but he has never won in the playoffs. I mean, he's never been to the World Series. But how much does respect does he have from his players? Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to tell at this juncture because – the respect isn't really earned or doesn't show itself until the teams run into issues during the season. At this point, you know, it's easy for players to say, oh, you know, he's great, he's so so respected, so wise, so much experience, things like that. Um, but as far as respecting the manager, it doesn't really show itself or have any payoff at this early juncture of the season. Of course, uh, Steve Cohen, the owner of the team, not afraid to spend money with his new uh, general manager, Billy Epler. Uh, talk about besides Scherzer, the big free agent signings that they you know, they spent over two hundred sixty million dollars on about five players. They yes, in addition to Scherzer, the Mets signed 
three hitters who will comprise one-third of their lineup every day. It's Starling Marte, who's going to be in right field, a position he has never played in the majors. Mark Canna, who's going to be the everyday left fielder. And then Eduardo Escobar, who's going to be going to be the starting third baseman. So those are three new names, important names to know going into the season that are going to be new to the Mets. And uh, the Mets hope will really boost a lineup that dramatically underperformed last year. So between those three guys, plus what they hope are bounce back years from Francisco Lindor and Jeff McNeil and others, the Mets think they could be a pretty good hitting team, which, of course, was what they thought this time last year. Yeah, speaking of Lindor, of course, you know, the controversy surrounding him last season, uh, you know, booing the fans the way he did with the thumbs down. Uh, do you think he learned his lesson uh, last year? I mean, did the pressure of trying to live up to that contract get to him and maybe uh, he needed to relax a little bit? Yeah, I, I think it did get to him. I, he doesn't really admit it straight up, but, but that's really, you know, assuming he was healthy, the pressure of a new market and a new team, new fans, living up to the gigantic contract is really the only plausible explanation. He has said during spring training that he feels more comfortable, which is good. And when you talk to other superstars who came to New York and maybe struggled at first, Mike Piazza, Keith Hernandez, Beltran even, uh, Beltran being a mentor to Lindor, all of those guys say year two is a lot different and a lot easier because you know your way around. You know how to go about your routine or, or whatever it is. So I think Lindor will bounce back, um, you know, and for all the, that the Mets have uh, spent on him and will spend on him over the course of the next decade, they better hope he bounce back, bounces back because that, that contract would look really ugly really fast if he's uh, a gold glover and not much more. Of course, another guy trying to bounce back is uh, Robinson Cano. He's at eight, 39 years of age. He sat out last season serving a second suspension for uh, PED use. What is his role? I mean, what is, how, how has he looked in uh, spring training? He hasn't looked particularly good. He's had a bunch of hits the last couple of days, which have made his Grapefruit League statistics look pretty good. But overall, he frankly has not been impressive. Uh, he Playing time-wise, he's going to figure into the DH situation alongside J.D. Davis and Dominic Smith and maybe others. But I think the Mets need to be careful in giving Robinson Cano too many at-bats automatically. I'd rather see Cano earn the playing time and show that he can still hit the way he has hit in his career, show that he can still do that being, what has it been, 18 months removed from a major league game. And uh, last week, for all we know, uh, using steroids to play well in 2020 when he did have good numbers. So, uh, Robinson Cano, to me, needs to prove it before he, he plays a lot. And if he doesn't play well, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Mets cut ties with him uh, sooner rather than later. You mentioned the DH. Uh, it, it was used in the, the truncated 2020 season, but now it's official. It's The DH is here to stay in the National League for the first time ever. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lifelong Phillies fan. I mean, I've seen some good hitting pitchers, but it, you know, the pitchers these days – rarely can hit anymore and yes, bunting is really a, a passe this day in this day of analytical baseball how much does a dh change the way teams play in the national league i think it's going to change the way the teams play a lot take the mets as an example they have been built like an american league team for for years now four or five years and now they can finally put out a lineup like one 
with a designated hitter. They have a lot of guys who need at-bats, deserve at-bats, but won't necessarily get as many as they deserve or as they have in years past. Dominic Smith and J.D. Davis are right at the top of that list. So is Robinson Cano. Um, but it'll also be good for the Mets to get Brandon Nimmo, for example, a rest while keeping his bat in the lineup. To give Pete Alonso a bit of a rest while keeping his bat in the lineup and putting a superior defender in Dominic Smith at first base on those days. So um, it's really good for the Mets. Um, I personally am very happy to see pitchers no longer hitting because, as you said, good hitting pitchers seems like an oxymoron to me. I don't know. <laughs> Even, uh, you know, these Jacob DeGroms of the world, the um, – you know, anybody except Shohei Otani, of course, who's in a league of his own. Yeah. Um, e- even good hitting pitchers, it's a relative term. They're atrocious at hitting. They're not. They are not good hitters. Um, so I'm happy to see that uh, fade into extinction. I'll take Aaron Nola as a bad hitting pitcher, for example. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of Pete Alonso, you mentioned him. My God, how did he survive that car crash? That is a good question. Uh, airbags and seatbelts, man. They're modern miracles, I guess. To get T-boned like that, for his car to flip over three times, as he said, um, to walk away with just a scratch on his arm is kind of wild. Right? Pretty pretty crazy thing to think about how easily it could have gone in a different direction. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I, I saw the interview, and then I saw, saw the video of the car. I was like, oh, my God. I mean, that's that's amazing. It's it's great for, for him, and uh, it, it was just a... Just a scratch. I mean, some, sometimes you, you don't walk away from those. Yeah, yeah. Pretty uh, scary situation, yeah. sounds like. Let's talk about the pitching staff other than Scherzer and DeGrom. Who's going to fill the void, uh, especially with DeGrom out? Who's going to what? Fill the, fill the void. Oh, well, to fill in for DeGrom, my guess is Tyler McGill, who was with them last year. Started early, faded late as his innings count built up, but he seems to be their number six starter, so to speak, is really positioning himself well with a strong camp. Other guys who fall into that depth category include David Peterson, Trevor Williams, who will probably be a long reliever type to open the season. Um, so the Mets have some options, but I, I bet Tyler McGill gets the call, and perhaps even for opening day. It wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the bullpen? In the bullpen, it's going to be a lot of familiar names. Edwin Diaz is closer, Seth Lugo and Trevor May. Setting him up. Adam Adovino is a newcomer. People who've watched the Yankees in recent years will know him. And then uh, uh, Joely Rodriguez just acquired from the Yankees the other day via trade from Miguel Castro. He'll be a left-hander. And Jason Shreve told me today that he made the Mets. So congrats to Jason Shreve after being in camp on a minor league deal. The Mets will have two left-handers, Shreve and Rodriguez. Obviously, uh, the NL East is going to be loaded this year, except maybe for the Washington Nationals. I mean, the Phillies have loaded up. The Braves are the defending World Series champions. I'm still trying to figure out how they let Freddie Freeman go. Uh, 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 how is this uh, division going to look? The division, you know, I've said for the last few years that the NL East looks really tough. And then the NL East goes out and is not very tough. So I think I'm going to hold back this year. <laughs> I have learned my lesson, and I am not going to declare the division extremely good. That said, you know, it'll be competitive at least. You know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if it's tightly bunched at the end. Uh, the favorite has to be the Braves. They're the defending champions. They won the division four years in a row, and now they're getting Acuna back. They have Ozuna back. They have Darno back. 
Um, so th- they seem really well positioned. They added Kenley Jansen, goodness, goodness yeah. gracious, to, to that bullpen. So there's a lot to like with the Braves. And then you said it, the, the Mets looks much improved on paper. The Phillies should mash. They have a lot of good hitters. The Marlins have some of the best starting pitching around. So everybody except the Nationals, who don't forget, have Juan Soto and Nelson Cruz. So they could make uh, life difficult for a lot of teams a lot of days, even if the record won't be there. How do, how do priorities change this year with the expanded playoff format? I mean, is that, how good is that for baseball? Say that again? The playoff format, expanded playoff format this year. How's that? Uh, is that good for baseball? Has that changed the strategy of teams as they go through the regular season? Uh, I don't know that it changes the strategy as they go through the regular season. I think it will change the strategy when teams build their teams over off, over the offseason because the bar has been lowered for teams to get into playoffs, and now you can sneak in with a more mediocre team. So I think there's less incentive for teams to spend – to add good players, things along those lines. Um, what will be interesting, the first kind of test case of that will be the trade deadline. How much pressure do teams feel to make improvements midseason for the sake of chasing a spot? Um, it's going to be interesting. I don't really like the expanded playoffs. I don't like lowering the bar for success in general. Um, but that's what baseball has now. It's going to be 12 teams. So it... Uh, you know, there's definitely room for a couple of teams for the NL East. Yeah, I always wish they reduced the number of games in the regular season. Maybe end the season in early September, and then you have a full month or month and a half of playoffs leading into October. Yeah, the way, the way baseball figured it with it expanding to 12 teams just before spring training as part of the terms of ending the lockout, apparently the World Series is not going to finish any later than it was already scheduled to finish. So I don't really know exactly how the calendar is working. Um, if, if it's relevant to the Mets, I suppose I'll learn it down the line. But uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> for, for now, I, I honestly don't know the specifics. Yeah, I guess with that first round, it's a best of three. It'll be at home site, so I'll probably just play three straight if they have to go three yes. games. So, uh, yeah, so three, three games at, home, at, at, at one stadium for the first round. Which, so it's a pretty quick first round. So who are you picking to win the NL East? I got to go to the Braves. They're the favorites. They they are the the team to beat until they get beaten. So uh, the Braves are my pick. I think the Mets sneak in as a wild card. Um, but there's, uh, as always with the Mets, a large range of outcomes. Well, we'll see what happens throughout the season. Of course, we'll have you on uh, periodically throughout the season. And uh, once again, tell people where they can find your uh, uh, coverage on uh, Twitter. On Twitter, at Tim B. Healy, that's E-T-A-L-E-Y, and then on Newsday.com slash Mets. And, of course, we have crushed the rumor that you're going to next be the next BU event. <laughs> <laughs> yes, crush that rumor. <laughs> Tim, appreciate it, as always, and uh, we'll talk during the season. Great. Thank you very much, Ken. All right, that's Tim Healy coming up. We're going to talk New York Yankees with Chrissy Ackert of the New York Daily News. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. It's been a trying year for parents. They've been confronted with countless challenges and have always risen to the occasion. If it isn't too much to ask, the 370,000 high school student athletes in New York have one last request. Please set an example. Disorderly fan conduct at high school athletic events is on the rise. It increasingly involves parents. There's no question that parents are passionate. There's no question they care about their children. 
But at a time when we're all wound a little more tightly than usual, it's worth remembering this about New York high school sports. Always be a good example. Stop unruly fan behavior before it starts. This message presented by the New York State Public High School Athletic Association and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. Hi, I'm Tom Anas, head coach of the Albany Empire. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast. Now let's go across uh, New York to talk about the Yankees with our friend Christy Ackert of the New York Daily News. Christy, uh, welcome back to the podcast. Hope everything's well. And uh, what are you going to say about the Yankees this year? Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they do. They um, they don't look much that much different, I guess. Well, mm-hmm. I guess they do get, look kind of different from last year, but it's still kind of an uncertain to see what they're going to be like. It's going to be it's going to be a tough division. Yeah, I mean, they they didn't really. And, you know, obviously years past they'd be big on the free agents, but this year it was the, the Mets that they were the big the free agents uh, winners in New York City, at least the ones spending money. But the big offseason moves the, uh, that the, the Yankees sent uh, Gary Sanchez to uh, uh, Minnesota. I mean, was that, did that kind of come, come out of the blue? Um, it, it kind of surprised me, yeah. I mean, when you look at it, from hindsight, it makes a lot of sense. You know, they really liked um, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. And it worked out that way that they could get him. Um, but yeah, I was surprised at the time it happened. I mean, they had invested so much in Gary over the years that I, I'm kind of surprised they gave up on him. Yeah, I mean, what, what, how did they, they did they? I don't know, fail is the right word, but what, what went wrong in getting him to develop into a really top-notch catcher? I mean, he could, sometimes he was a good hitter and sometimes he wasn't, but I think his defense was really the one that, that I think frustrated everyone. I, you know, I, obviously, yeah. And I, I think there were so many different things he was asked to do. I mean, maybe because he came up, you know, six years ago when they weren't really focused on framing and then they tried to change him to a framing catcher. Um, you know, I think he lost a lot of confidence. I think that carried over to his offense. I mean, it's a shame because he did work hard. There seemed to be this misconception that, you know, he didn't work hard, but Gary worked very hard and he tried very hard to do what they wanted, but it, it seemed to always kind of change what they wanted. Yeah. Of course they get Josh Donaldson from the twins in that deal. Uh, will take over third base, but he's 36 years old. Just had 26 overs and 72 RBIs last year. Do you think a change of series is going to do him some good? Maybe. I mean, you know, the only thing that concerns me about that is he's 36 years old and he has leg issues, and the legs are usually the first to start going. So, I mean, he's got to stay healthy. But he's one of those guys that is motivated, you know, by challenges. This is obviously a challenge, and um, I think that's what they're hoping for. Maybe he adds a little edge to this team. Yeah, and of course, uh, Anthony Rizzo will be the regular first baseman now, and, uh, and they sent uh, Luke Voigt, who won the uh, home run championship in 2020, to San Diego. Uh, was that the right move? I guess we'll see. <laughs> um, you know, obviously, Anthony Rizzo is an established World Series winner. He has credibility instantly in the clubhouse. He is defensively a better you know, first baseman than 
uh, boy is. Uh, he has better hands. He has better feet. Um, his power numbers have declined recently. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, he's a left-handed bat, which helps the lineup. So we'll see. I mean, it, it wouldn't have been my choice. I would have, I would have liked to have seen Freddie Freeman, but that seemed like it's a little bit out of the out of the cards. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously Freddie going to the Dodgers, which I'm still shocked that the Braves let him go after you know, after helping them win a World Series last year. I just uh, you wonder if that's going to come back to bite them. Yeah, but you know what? I've I've heard nothing but great things about Olsen. So mm-hmm. you know. The Rays always seem to be the team that knows when it's time to move on from a player. I mean, maybe that's what's going on with the Braves. Well, I guess the big story about Aaron Judge's contract situation, as we talk here uh, Monday night as I tape this, we tape this episode, uh, what's the status? Is is he going to go into the season without a contract extension and and then you're going to gamble that he's not going to be a free agent? I think there's a good chance of that. I mean, I I do think that there's probably something in the works behind the scenes. They're being very quiet, and that's not usually how it works. So I have a feeling there's some talking to go on. But I think, you know, when you look at the arbitration numbers that they traded, $4 million for a one-year deal is a significant difference. Yeah. So <laughs> they were starting on different levels to begin with. So it'll it, it, it's going to take some negotiating to get to a, a common ground. And, of course, with him, Judge's health has always been an issue where he seems to be on the disabled list uh, a couple times a year. And, of course, he avoided questions about whether he's vaccinated or not. Of course, that now that's not a factor because New York City's lifted that mandate that he had to be vaccinated. So... Uh, yeah, well, it's still a factor in Toronto. Yeah, that's that's true. So, I mean, why why is he so evasive about it? If he hasn't gotten the shot, why did you, why did why did you just say so? Probably afraid of the backlash. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I mean, it, it, that's a tough question to ask, and it's tough to have to ask it of them. You know, I mean, we are privy to a lot of their medical you know, because of, you know, what they do, but where do you draw the line, I guess? Um, You know, he doesn't want to talk about it at all. He never has. And his teammates have backed him up on that. If there's no pressure within the clubhouse, it's going to be hard to, you know, change that, I think. Yeah. How important is it, I'm sorry, how important is it for them, the Yankees, to improve upon their defense? Oh, I think it's very important. I mean, I think that's why you saw them so e- eager to get Kiner Falefa um, and Anthony Rizzo. I mean, putting Glaber Torres back at second base makes a big difference. Um, I-, I think that's pretty much why they went out and made the moves they made. About pitching-wise, obviously you got Garrett Cole there, Jordan Montgomery. What's the status with Luis Severino? He's coming back off of Tommy John surgery and – He's had some issues in spring training with uh, body soreness. He looked great. He looked actually really great the last time he was out, which was two days ago, I think Saturday. He looked like himself. He looked, um, he wasn't trying his heart to throw his heart, and his velocity went up. He looked like a guy who finally felt like he was back to himself. You know, I think. When you've been through what he's been through and as long of a time as he's been out, 
you know, they sometimes they forget that, that what they do for a living, pitching, is not a natural motion. And there is soreness that comes with it. And that's normal, natural soreness. When you've been through issues with your arm, I think you get a little nervous anytime you feel soreness. And I think that's something he had to push through. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Boone, he, how much pressure is he under me? The Yankees have not been to the World Series since 2009. And we've heard comments of Brian Cashman lately about there should be an asterisk uh, about 2017 and the Houston Astros. And ironically, you have Carlos Beltran now part of the Yes Network, who has admitted that uh, that 2017 uh, Houston Astros title was tainted. So, uh, where is there pressure under Boone to get to at least get to the World Series? I think there was pressure last year when he didn't have a contract. I think with a four-year contract, he's good. I think the pressure is on Brian Cashman. Mm-hmm. What, do, you I mean, think, do you think Cashman's done enough to improve this team? I don't know. I, I can't honestly say yes. Um, I don't know. Um, I think there will be some bounce back. I think defensively they might be a little better. I haven't necessarily seen the improvements in offense. That was such an issue for them. And by the way, in that 2017 American League Championship Series, it wasn't the fact that, you know, the Astros were scoring a lot of runs. The Yankees didn't score any runs. Mm -hmm. And that's when they get in trouble is when their offense is off. So, you know, they changed pitching coaches. They've gone into a new style of, uh, you know, organizational philosophy with their offense. So I guess we'll see. And, of course, Geraldus Chapman, I mean, does he still have enough left in the tank to be the closer? I think he does, but I think they all also have talked to him. I mean, I know they have. He's talked about it, that he will be pitching in high leverage in, eight, in the eighth inning as possible, too. So they also have Jonathan Loisega there. So, you know, they're in, I think they're in good shape in the bullpen. So, I mean, if, it's, if he's going to pitch those in eighth innings, like old, old school, like the, the Goose Gossage back in the day, when he could even go three or four innings of relief, that's so kind of good to see. Well, I don't think he's going to pitch more than one inning. I think he's going to pitch the high yeah, leverage gotcha. inning. Yeah, gotcha. So, Whichever is the heart of the lineup. Yeah. Now, this, this the AL East, I mean, my goodness. I mean, you know, obviously Boston got to the ALCS last year. Tampa Bay is tough. Toronto is you know, a team that's up and coming. Uh, Handicap this division, I mean, how, especially now with the expanded playoffs. Uh, it, you know, it's going to be a tough division. I Honestly, when I look at it, I have the Blue Jays winning. Um, Rays always seem to do pretty well, so they could snip in there too. The Red Sox pitching scares me a little bit, but they could be very dangerous. And, um, you know, I mean, that's a really tough division, really tough. So I, I, I think you could see three teams out of that division in the playoffs, and the Yankees, I guess, better finish in the top three. Do you like the expanded format, playoff format? Um, I guess. I mean, I kind of liked it in 2020, but I also like the fact that it was in one general location. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we'll have to see how it plays out after a true 162-game uh, season. Yeah, you know? I, mean, I, mean, I, I, I was thinking that, that I talked with Tim Healy earlier in this podcast about it. I mean, I, I would like to see if they're going to do this format and if they exp- eventually expand to 16, if they add two more teams, I have a 32-team circuit. 
let's let's end the regular season in September. Or let's use September as your you know, playoff format. I mean, maybe maybe take away some attention from the NFL and uh, and college football. That way, you you have the month of September yourself and have some fun with it. Instead of yeah, the World Series could end up what go into early November with this format. Well, let's hope not. But yeah, it could. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's going to be a lot considering they're playing 162 games. So I think there has to be some give there. Um, but their TV partners want their playoffs in October. So yeah, that's where we're at. Okay, yeah. It was all about TV. We know that. <laughs> yes, it is. So, uh, obviously, how much did the lockout really affect the Yankees and the the business decisions, I mean, as far as signing players and making moves, how, I mean, how much did that affect affect them, and uh, and how much did it really affect spring training getting ready in a, such a shortened time? I think it probably affected the fact that you're not going to see pitchers go deep to start the season. Um, you'll probably see some injuries during the season, but. Um, you know, I don't think it affected their off season. I don't think they were going to spend that much money as it was. So, I, I don't think it affected it that much. Okay. Well, the Yankees open up in Boston on Thursday. You'll be there. And uh, what's your Twitter handle again, so people can follow you? It's at by Christy Ackert, and we will be in the Bronx. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I apologize. I, I misread that. It's my bad. That's okay. <laughs> I, 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 I was, no, I was thinking, I'm thinking the Mets, are, they're, they're opening up on the road in Washington. That's that's my bad. So anyway, you'll be there, and, and enjoy. Hopefully the weather will be good and uh, have some uh, interesting baseball, and obviously the rivalry between the two teams uh, continues, and uh, maybe the Yankees look for some revenge from losing in that uh, one-game playoff last year. Well, let's hope. All right, Christy, appreciate it. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. That's Christy Ackett. I'll be back to wrap up the podcast and have the latest edition, our latest winner in the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest in just a moment. There are no words to describe it. The isolation the boredom, the loneliness. If you're wondering where your teenage son or daughter's spirit went, you're hardly alone. The past year has been devastating, especially for them. But here's the good news. They might just find it again, playing high school sports. Workouts that stimulate, teammates and coaches that care, the sense of belonging so many of us have been missing lately. That's what school sports are all about. The sense of achievement is real, and the camaraderie is hard to beat. Coping with uncertainty is difficult, but school sports can help the teenagers in your family start feeling like themselves again. Encourage them to give it a try. High school sports, it's so much more than a game. This message presented by the New York State Public High School Athletic Association and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. Hi, this is Pete Incavillia, manager of the Tri-City Valley Cats and former Major Leaguer. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor and Upstate New York's biggest Philadelphia Phillies fan, Ken Schott. Back to wrap up the podcast. The Week 7 winner in the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest is Daniel Cropsey of Schenectady. Daniel wins a $50 ShopRite gift card. Congratulations, Daniel. 
The VIP winners are Scott Lucier of Capital Land GMC and me. Yes, finally, some good news for me on that front. I'll announce the winner of the Daily Gazette Auto Racing Contest, and that winner's name will appear in Friday's Daily Gazette. If you'd like to play in the contest, go to dailygazette.com and click the Auto Racing Contest banner. Keep checking out dailygazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on the coronavirus pandemic. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this pandemic. We appreciate the job you're doing in this difficult time. If you have not gotten vaccinated, please do so. Do it for yourself, do it for your family, and do it for your friends. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I'd like to thank Tim Healy and Christy Ackert for coming on the show. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shots, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports.